Welcome to Fully Vetted, Animal Care News from the Clinic to the Farm, presented by the Ohio Veterinary Medical Association. Thanks for tuning in to Episode 77 of Fully Vetted. Today we're finishing up our two-part series on herbal medicine with Dr. Alexia Chikiris. In addition to running Naturopathic Veterinary Wellness Center in Red Bank, New Jersey, Dr. Chikiris is an assistant professor for the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies and vice president of the American College of Veterinary Botanical Medicine. She's joining us on the show again to offer some tips to practitioners who are interested in offering herbal medicine in their conventional practice. Welcome back once again, Dr. Chikiris. Thank you for having me. Okay, so last time we talked about some of the herbs you use and don't use when treating patients with anxiety. Today, we are shifting gears and digging into the practicalities of offering alternative modalities like herbal medicine. What advice do you have for practitioners who are interested in implementing herbal remedies in their traditional practice? It's so tough to know where to go. So I would recommend starting with the American College of Veterinary Botanical Medicine. The college is a place where people can go for guidance on where to take classes. If you go there and then from there, we'll have listed places like the College of Integrated Veterinary Therapies, Chi University, um, IVIS. I think there will be some human classes listed there as well. But then also, if you're looking for human herbalist classes that you can also do, you can go to the American Herbalist Guild and there also you can find qualified, certified schools that you can take classes in. So there's a few different avenues that you can do. And I do feel really blessed as an animal doctor that I can do both and take classes in both because you can see, oh, this person uses it this way. This person uses it that way. More avenues are opening up all the time. Well, it sounds like there's an opportunity to, you know, advance and get certifications. So is there a significant like financial investment for, you know, these certifications and classes? I'm not going to pretend like there isn't. Yes, we have to pay for it no matter what, right? So did I spend as much as I spent going to vet school? No. That's a relief. <laughs> I know, right? But yes, you got to pay to play. So there's a decent investment, but it's easy to get started with like one class. Like CIVT offers an introduction course where I think it's like six weeks. And so maybe like that's a nice way just to expose yourself. And there's little webinars put on by the Veterinary Botanical Medical Association. Wet your palate a little bit, right? See what interests you before you make the full investment jump. There's ways to do it. Here's the other caveat, I guess. I should throw this out there. You're not making the same money as someone who's doing surgery, but it's still really fulfilling to be able to be helping your patients. And maybe you are doing surgery and then you're adding herbs in on top of it and you're getting even better outcomes. So I think it's worth it in that way too. Now, I'm going to assume, but do the certifications require renewal? Yes. I mean, my graduate diploma is a master's degree. So like that is what it is. But for the AHG, yes. So are there any legal considerations that doctors need to be mindful of when practicing herbal medicine? So, of course, because we live in a litigious society, so why wouldn't there be anything? I'm the doctor prescribing them, so of course there's always legal considerations, no matter what I'm doing, right? Um, I have people sign consent forms because herbs are not regulated, right? Like, it's up to me to know what I'm doing and where I'm getting them from. So there are consent forms. You touched on this in the last episode, but since we're on the subject, can you refresh my memory on this? Because it seems to be a gray area in terms of like 
are herbs prescribed in the way pharmaceuticals are, or is it more like a non-DVM making a diet recommendation? In other words, do you need to be a veterinarian to give a patient an herbal treatment? How is that regulated, or is it even regulated at all? Yeah, because herbs are not FDA regulated, people can say whatever they want to say these days, quite honestly. And they do. They do. So yeah, there are people out there calling themselves herbalists and they're not. Listen, I think either, yes, you should be a veterinarian who then has studied herbal medicine, or you should be a super qualified herbalist who has taken courses in veterinary medicine, right? Like you need to know your patients, not just be willy-nilly about things. Definitely don't be willy-nilly. No, not okay. When you were practicing as a conventional vet, did you get any resistance from pet owners or your colleagues when you began suggesting unconventional treatments like herbal medicine? 10 years ago, when I was in a GP practice and I was practicing integratively where I was doing conventional and herbs and acupuncture, you know, as I was kind of starting to influence people into what other possibilities we could do, it would be a conversation of, hey, this is what I've learned about. This is what it does. This is how it can potentially help. Do you want to add it in? And let's see how it goes. And for the most part, most people were pretty open to it. Some people were not. And, you know, I'm not here to tell you what to do, right? Like, everybody can look at it, decide. But even my boss at the time was like, what is this? What is this stuff you're doing? Because these patients are coming back and they're so much better, right? Now that I specialize just in using herbs, they're coming to me and I'll say maybe 1% of them will be hesitant. And that's fine. Everybody has to take it at their own pace. But If they're hesitant, then they need to also understand, like, what are your expectations? Because just seeing me is not going to make a difference. Acupuncture will absolutely help, but the body needs a bit more support. So right now, I'm pretty blessed in that way. Client compliance is something that's that's a bit tenuous, even under the best circumstances. So and you add in herbal medicines and all these different remedies, I, I imagine that can be a little overwhelming. Do you find that it's difficult to convince pet owners to continue with the treatment plan at home? Totally. So whether you're in conventional GP or holistic, it really doesn't matter. Compliance is always an issue. Always, always, always. You know, you give, let's just go back to Prozac. Here's the bottle of Prozac. They finish the Prozac and they're like, my dog is not cured. I'm like, really? Wow. Huh. Okay. Let's keep going. So it's, it is the compliance thing of like, just keep going. This is a maintenance, right? It's telling people this is maintenance. This is not the magic pill that's going to fix you forever. It's like any other chronic disease where you have to continue to support the system because otherwise I'm not going to do anything. But how about training staff and in this practice? CIVT and CHI, and I'm sure there's others out there, um, but they're the two off the top of my head. Those schools offer courses for technicians. So that's one great way you can start to give them a little bit more. I mean, my techs, honestly, they just jumped in both feet and started learning and they're mixing herbs and some are taking a little course here and there. Obviously, I'm a talker. And so I'll just talk through cases with them and why I'm using herbs. And so just in that way, they've learned a ton. My staff's amazing. So they've just like, come on board. They're like, we're going to learn whatever you teach us. I'm really proud of them. That's awesome that you've had that buy-in from them. Yeah. So I would imagine that you know, it really contributes yeah, to the to the work culture around there. So Absolutely. Because also, 
you know, our work culture, we have cultivated it to be how we need it to be because there's four of us and we have all burnt out in vet med. And so when we opened, we're like, how do we want to be every day, right? Like what should veterinary medicine be every day? We should not be working through lunch. That's dumb. Why do we even bother having a lunch, right? Like, so we take off, we sit down at lunch. It is mandatory. We all get firm with each other. If someone's trying to do work, it's like, no, take a break, lie down flat. Like whatever you have to do, take a break. We're trying to really change the culture of how we practice so that we're not burning out and really enjoying what we're doing and enjoying our patients instead of being aggravated by everybody all the time. That sounds great. Can I come work for you? Come on over. It's a really good time. Sounds like it. You guys are probably all really relaxed, just having a good time. That's the ultimate goal. Okay. That's the goal. (laughs) We're doing our best every day. (laughs) That's all you can do. That's all you can do. Some days we get there. Some days we just don't. But come back the next day trying again. So speaking of being relaxed and cultivating a culture of well-being, we know there's a lot of stressed out pets and there's also, newsflash, a lot of stressed out humans. Can you use some of these herbal remedies on both humans and pets? Or is it, again, you're you're probably going to go back to the there's no one size fits all approach. But like, can we talk about that a little bit? (laughs) Totally. So yes, not a one size fits all. But, you know, I am in this kind of, and maybe it's not as tricky as I've made it out to be in my head. But like, if a client comes in to see me with their pet, I'm Dr. Alexia treating their pet, right? And so then... Often we will talk about them, but I can't be Dr. Alexia talking to them about their stuff. I could be Alexia, the registered herbalist, talking to them. I don't know. I just have this thing where like, I can't really treat them per se. One, because I am not their doctor. But also, I feel like I should see them in another building or with another hat on. And they're calling me Alexia, right? Like, not doctor. So I will treat the patient, obviously. And then oftentimes while a patient has like acupuncture needles in doing what I do, you get to really know your clients and everybody just starts sharing. And especially when they're like, I wish you were my doctor. And I'm like, well, I can make some recommendations for other people. In the meantime, why don't you have a look at, we'll go back to ashwagandha, right? Like have a look at that maybe. See what you think. Um, Maybe I'll give a tea to the pet. And obviously everybody can share tea. It's tea, right? So I'll mix up tea. I have a really nice blend that I'll make for like grief. I made an anxiety a few weeks ago and I made it for myself. And then I had a client who was telling me how she was super stressed and she had to go help her dad move. I don't know if he was going into a nursing home or something was happening. And I was like, here, take some tea home. Let me know how it is. Like if anything, at least it's just like nice tea to drink. And hopefully it helps you to just relax and take a moment. So I don't treat humans per se, but I just love sharing everything that I know. And if sharing everything that I know, then gives them kind of a stepping stone as to where to go next, whether it be with their doctor, their acupuncturist, chiropractor, naturopath. I'm constantly like handing out names of human practitioners. I had a client last Friday where she has Crohn's disease. She brings her dog in every week for treatment. And I'm like, why aren't you going for acupuncture? She said, I used to go, but I can't afford it now. I said, well, you bring your dog here every week. So like, why don't you not bring her next week and you go for acupuncture next week and start treating yourself? Because 
if you're not healthy, you're doing your dog no favors. And again, you're stressed out, you're going to stress your dog out, which some people don't want to hear, but it's the truth. I mean, when we're stressed out, we stress our kids out. So why wouldn't we stress our pets out? So I am a big proponent of people also taking care of themselves. Do you sell this anxiety tea on your website? Because I'm, I'm really interested in this. <laughs> I know I should just stop by the office. I'll give you a bag. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. Next time I'm, I'm in New Jersey. <laughs> yep, that's right. Just come on over. I mean, one day. Yes, that's like in the future. I will absolutely be doing that. Well, before we let you go, can you share with us uh, maybe a memorable case um, where you had a patient achieve a particularly remarkable outcome with the use of herbal medicine? Uh, yes. So it was about, I think, five years ago, maybe six. I had this poor little dog, Raven, come in to see me. Raven was this like mixed breed little thing from Alabama. And the mom who brought Raven in, it was actually her son's dog. He was in school in Alabama. So he had gotten Raven in Alabama, but poor Raven was this like emaciated skin and bones dog who for the last year had been vomiting and just like unable to gain weight. And this kid really did everything. Like he took her to all the specialists and they did a fecal transplant. Like they were doing things for her. And so then finally Raven came up here to hang out with mom because I think the college student probably just couldn't handle it anymore, understandably so. And so she saw internal medicine specialists here. They did endoscopies, biopsies. It turned out she had H. pylori and was just like a total inflamed mess and not able to absorb protein. And so they put her on all the conventional meds that you are to put her on. And she was on them for months and months. And like Raven wasn't gaining weight. And I do tend to be kind of the fourth opinion where people are like, I don't know what else to do. So I'm coming to see you. And so Raven came in to see me and... I made herbs that these are the herbs she takes in the morning because we're addressing XYZ. And then we put her on herbs in the evening because I wanted to make sure that we were helping with gut inflammation and all of the above. And so Raven stopped vomiting. She went back and saw the specialist after a month and they were like, what did you do to this dog? And you know, when you're telling people and they're like writing it down, I'm like, yes, let me tell you all the things I did because I would love for you to do the same thing. It was so remarkable because everybody really, they tried their hardest to do everything they could for her and she just wasn't responding. Listen, we can sit here and argue that like it was because finally the antibiotics kicked in three months later or finally the pred helped after like whatever it was. But I think the herbs were the final thing that she really needed for her body to finally heal, regulate her immune system and get things under control. And now when Raven comes in, she's fat. It's really funny. <laughs> but I'm like, I, I can't tell you to make her lose weight because after like all that time of her being skin and bones, I'm like, ah, oh, just enjoy your weight, honey. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, she earned it. She totally did. Totally did. Absolutely. What a great story and a great way to end this episode. Thank you again for doing this. It's been so much fun talking to you. Thank you for having me. Have a beautiful day. You as well. Take care. Bye. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye.